Welcome to the Valley View Podcast. My name is Caleb Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor here at Valley View Church. We are so grateful that you are joining our church family as we pursue the Lord's heart and His plan for all of us. It is our desire to grow, and we are excited that you get to join us in this adventure. So grab your Bible and prepare your heart to seek God's face and all that He has in store. This has been just such a good year. I just, again, like I know there's been some hard things, you know, like we, I joke about the floods that we've had in our house, and I know everyone else has been dealing with circumstances and challenges, but I just think, man, Lord, we're being consumed. We're being made into his image. We're looking more and more like him. That's our desire, and I'm, I'm excited about it. So, yeah, we've been talking about this consumed um, this idea of consumed work and walking in the opposite spirit of consumerism, which is what we see nowadays. Um, we're, not, we're not partakers anymore. We're not partakers of just showing up. That's, I mean, we're, we're not just showing up and taking and consuming. We're, but rather we are living in a way or we're desiring a way that is in full surrender and in full participation of what God desires to do. It's exemplified here where we pray, where we share things together, where we're, we're so excited. Again, like there's, there's going to be healing there's going to be things and God's going to break through, but this is how we're participating. We're not sitting back and waiting. We want to surrender to God. We want his ways, right? We want to give him all that we are because we want to exchange the momentary things that we have, the desires, the burdens, everything for his surpassing ways. In the past few months, we've talked about the importance of our words, the weight of our words. We've talked about our perspective, the importance of what we see, what we behold, where we're placing our mindset is important because out of that comes the place of our words, right? A lot of our perspective, the way we see God, is the way we'll pray to God. The way we see others is the way we'll talk to others. It's just the way we perceive things. So we're asking God for his higher perspective, an eternal perspective. And so we're, we have access to that. That's the wonderful part about it. At Colossians 3, 1 through 17, we have access to that reality. We have access. And also in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it talks about we've been lifted up. We are seated in heavenly places. We have access to that place. And in this place, when we're putting our perspective, we're also putting on the new self. We put on humility, compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, patience, and love. Um, and from here, we bear with one another. We forgive one another. We let the peace of Christ rule our hearts, and we are thankful. And we let the word of God dwell in us richly. And that's what we've been focusing on. That last point, we've been focusing on letting the word dwell in us richly. Right, Colossians 3.16, I think is the first verse. Let the word of God, Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And coming from last week, this, these are the two points that we had. Um, this is our focus. We want it to dwell in our hearts. We want it to be in us. And why? Why do we want it to be in us? Because his word leads us and gives us hope. This is the first point from last week. We're, we're living in an age without direction. I mean, you, if you could say where people are going, well, I don't know where we're going. I could not tell you. There's so many different directions. There's so many different aims. And if you could say that the world is without hope, I would say, you're right. It is without hope. I can see it. There's no hope. But we see something different in Psalm 119, 105 when they're declaring to the Lord, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's like, first of all, I have the light with me. I know the world is dark. I know it's aimless and in misery, but I have the lamp that is, he is at my feet. I can see where I'm going and I have a direction. I have a hope. Mm -hmm. 
The second point, his word is truth and his word sanctifies us, which is to say it purifies us. We we live primarily in our own perspective and without absolute truth, we are without direction. We are without reference. Now, to give an example, I tried to, my dad asked me to build a chicken coop. That was fun. Um, (laughs) And I didn't understand the really important significance of, of, you know, that, that Ruler of that, not the le- the level, not the ruler. The level, you know, levels are important, right? Yeah. Levels are important. Now you could do this, and you could like, I think that looks level. I, I don't know if I just, no, you can't understand what right being upright. Things will look off, but they'll be true to plumb because everything else is off. You know, like our house. Sometimes we we find little areas we're like, wow. I think they eyeballed that one, didn't they? <laughs> it's like, what were they thinking? They were not, this is not true to plumb. But that's the whole point. You can't build a house well without a level. You cannot, you can speculate as best as you can, you, but if you don't have something that is true, your house won't stand or won't withstand over testing of time. And again, it's not good. It's just not good. And especially without a firm foundation. That's something also. We need a firm foundation and something that is true. Again, we'll talk about something about, we'll be talking about firm foundation later, not this week, but, um, and then when we behold the perfect, when we behold this perfect law, we become purified and transformed. It says in James 1.25, the one that look, who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He's looking, and he's being aligned, and from there, he is not just listening he is doing the things that he's seeing. He's like, okay, God's been saying this. I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to be blessed because of it. He is blessed in the perceiving and hanging on to the word. It does something in you. Because again, God doesn't want us to be just, oh, that was a nice verse. That was good. That felt nice. Like, no, he's like, now do it. How do I do this? Good question. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Holy Spirit, help me how to do this. Know how to do this. And I want to reread a passage um, from last week, Hebrews 4.12. This is the passage we kind of left off from last week. Uh, last week, I think it was the last one. Um, I had a lot of them last week. So, um, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is huge. Yes, you're right. We're hanging on to this word. This is the whole point of dwell, let it dwell in you richly. Why? Let it pierce your heart. Let it get into there. Let it find the things that are not right. Let it purify, sanctify. And the first, and the first point, let it mature us. His word's going to mature us. It's intended to build us up because, you know, you can't discern it. We're going to talk about that later. Who can discern his own ways, right? We can't. We can't do that. But we let the word of God discern the truth. We let the word of God pierce our hearts and show what is in us. Again, this is not without Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows us and brings us those words. And we read and we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying here? And he convicts us. So 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Man, it, God's word, it moves us. It's breath in our lungs. It's life. It teaches and it reproves, which again, like we look through this thing, we're going to have another passage that kind of gets, it seems a little harsher with the word of God is for. 
But I want us to look at it in the lens of what it's meant to be spoken in. In love. Speaking the truth in love. We, we, so it reproves it or it warns. It corrects us and is for training in righteousness, which is, trains us to be in right standing relationship with Jesus. So when we read the word, when we see it, and we look through the whole Testament, the, the old and the new and the prophets, Psalms, Moses, and disciples, and through the words of Jesus, the word is for us. The word of God is for us to show us his character and what he wants for us. So it's not like, again, like I always, I always joke because this is the background I come from. I always love the New Testament. I love the Psalms. Everything else in the Old Testament, I kind of skipped over a lot. A lot of my life, I skipped a lot of the things. I'm like, I see it, but he kind of seems a little judgmental and harsh. And then all of a sudden, New Testament, he's loving. It's like, no, I'm missing a whole part of him. He is loving. He is justice. He is long-suffering. If I would, I missed that, though, if I missed the Old Testament. So we need to read the word to discover who he is. I mean, I've been listening to it through Isaiah. It's so powerful. His love, his long-suffering. Again, he is, it seems harsh in his judgment, but he is so long-suffering. He's been suffering with this long. But we see the word, and it's not meant for our harm, right? He's like, he's talking about in this passage. He's like, it's meant for reproof, which is to warn us. Warn us where we're going wrong. Warn us. He's to, to correct us again. Like, it'd be foolish of us, like, for our kids to be like, okay, yeah, you, you, you can go out in the street. You can kind of have no bounds. You know, you're, you're free-range chicken. You know, it's not good. It's Free-range kids, it's not, it's not a good idea. Give them guidance. Give them warning. Like, again, you don't have to beat them over the head. But the desire isn't to beat them over the head and make them like, you have to be right. You have to do the right things. It's like, no, I want you to live. And I want you to live in a good relationship with me. Because, you know, again, it stinks. And as a parent, it really stinks to correct your child. It's not fun at all. But, like, you, you, I, I never got that whole thing. It hurts me just as much as it hurts you. It's like, <laughs> I never understood that until I became a parent, okay? I thought, like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you get a spanking, all right? That's <laughs> like, no, that, that's never the. It's just, he's like, no, but I do this because I want to walk together with you. I want to walk with you. And there's no way we can get this. Because, like, you know, looking at you as a, you know, you weren't this way when you were little, but you're walking alongside your parents. You're loving, you're, do, you're learning, you're coming alongside, and that shows in the relationship you guys have together. But there was a lot of correction, and there was a lot of guidance. There's a lot of warnings. <laughs> Warning! Don't do that. Um, but they do it for your good. They do it for your benefit. And you're, I mean, man, praise God. He wants the best for us. As a good father, he is doing this not for our harm, but for our good. He wants us to be complete. It says he wants to be complete, equipped for every good work because he has equipped good works for us. He has planned things for us. He has things, events, moments. He's like, I have something in store for you, but you need to walk. I need to build you up to be ready to do these things. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Which, again, I, we hear preach, we, like, we think about, you know, these people. We're going to have two different perspectives on this. Preach the word, be ready in season. Let me read this through first. Be ready in season, in and out, in and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. I'm going to read this a little bit further. But I'm going to pause there for a second. Man, 
Now, when we read the word, preach the word, we have two, I think some of us have two different perspectives. Some of us cringe when we hear that. Some of us, I don't know, like, I don't know where you guys come from. Like, when you know, I, I, I think about, like, the people who preach on the street, and they're yelling at people, and they're sharing, they're preaching the gospel, but it doesn't seem like the gospel. It seems more like they're just yelling scripture at you, and they're just like, so again, that, that's, that's one perspective. Maybe you guys have never dealt with that before. Hopefully you have not. I've dealt with some of them. I'm like, ah, that just doesn't seem loving or kind or coming alongside or discipleship material. It's like, this is not what God called. Again, I get it. Because they're missing, they're preaching. They're like, we are called to preach the word. But he forgets it's all about the other part. Be ready in season and out of season, right? Okay, I got that. Reprove, rebuke. I got that down. Exhort with complete patience and teaching. They're very important. All these fundamentals, okay? We're looking at all these parts. To, he says, I want to present, which because preaching, we think about yelling or accusing. He's like, no, present. Share. Does that sound a little better? When we say share, we're like, yeah, I want to share with you the word of God. I just want to share. What do you think? Like, someone's like, I'm going to bring this psalm. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. I'm not going to say what you're going to do. Like, just read it. What do you think? I was reading this. What do you think? Present it. Some of it is going to work in their hearts. Some of it is like, man, I've just been learning this. And like, as a good teacher, again, I, Lisa, I'm looking at you because you're a good teacher. Yeah. You may accuse yourself of other things, but like I, I'm saying, you're a good teacher. You come alongside, and you come under, and you see where their perspective is, and you teach them. So you're not going, you should. You come in like and say, hey, what if? Do you read this? you see this, how this works? You start showing. Again, it's also, it is for rebuking, which is critiquing, reproving, which is warning, because it's important to warn people, right? It's important to critique people because people aren't right all the time. Surprise, we're not right. Okay. Is that a surprise to anybody? No. You're always right. No, you're always right until you're wrong. But even then, you're probably already right. It's, we're always, no, we're not right. We're, we need to be critiqued a little bit. Come alongside. In fact, actually, I was listening to this guy talking. Again, this is not a Christian guy. He was just, he was just talking about when to be honest. <laughs> when to be honest. He's like, because he's like, I, I went to a play. I'm very honest. I'm a very honest person. My, and this person that I'm watching, like, this, it was her play. She put it together. She was a part of it. And she was so excited for me to see this play. And I came in. I said, I thought, this is the worst play I've ever been. This is the worst. That was what I thought. That was what I saw. <laughs> that was the truth. <laughs> it was awful. Now, I come to her, and I know she's going to ask me that question, what did you think? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to tell you the truth, but not this truth yet, because this is not the time. First of all, you're in this place. You're in this emotional state. This is not going to be a good time to present the truth like this, this part of the truth. He's like, so I'm going to say, it was so good to see you. He's like, it was so good to see you on stage doing what you loved. It was so good. And he's like, I'm affirming. I'm speaking truth I'm still speaking the truth. He's like, and then the next day when she was in a good place when I could talk with her more and share the, critique, the critiques, the honest truths, how well it wasn't, 
He's like, we had a good conversation. And in fact, it was so nice because she wasn't off that high of, you know, you get the adrenaline. He's like, I came in the right timing. I asked God, and God like, I'm just, so I'm going to take that and apply. I'm like, okay, Lord, but how do we see us in the spiritual? Like, so some of us were like, oh, I'm just honest. I tell it as it is. Like, no, that's not to speak of the truth in love. You can be honest. Like, I see this in you, but I don't want to crush you. Just like Jesus doesn't crush us with how he sees us. If he crushed, if he said, here's how I see you, 100%, guess where you'd be? Flat on the ground, dead. You would just be dead in your sins, okay? You'd be so crushed. But he does not do that. He's kind. He speaks the truth in love, in the right timing. He's teaching us. He's coming along. He is rebuking us. He is critiquing us. And he's also very much exhorting us, which is to say, strongly encouraging But this must be, again, done in patience and in teaching, which is not commanding, but instructing and in leading. So this is how, again, why why are we talking about this? Because we want to grow. We want to grow because the word of God helps us to grow in maturity. We're going to continue on. And this is the thing, the generation of, I'm going to read the uh, three, four, and five. For the time is coming, and it's probably here, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Do what you've been called to do. Fulfill your ministry. And doing this, we will go... I mean, you look at nowadays, everyone has an echo chamber. Everyone wants to hear only what makes them comfortable. They cut themselves off from being challenged, from being offended or hurt or whatever. Like, again, like, I'm not picking on anybody. We're all this way. We, we, I don't like what you're saying. Unfriend. I don't like what you're saying. Close tab. I don't like what you're saying. I don't call, contact you anymore. Delete your contact. That's easy. It's so easy. We do that quickly. Just don't talk to him anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm like, that's, it's so easy as believers to say, well, you know, I just don't want to hear it anymore. I'm just cutting myself off. Like, no, but like, even then, like, and we're not listening to sound teaching. Like, if we, we think, again, teaching the word of God, like we talked about, Jesus was sharing with his disciples. He's like, and there's a bunch of them. There's a lot of them. He gave them a hard word. He's like, you're going to do something. You're going to eat. He's talking about, you're going to eat my body. But he's not, they don't understand what it is. They don't talk, understand what he's talking about. He's like, I'm actually coming to save you. You're going to take and eat. You're going to talk about communion. It's talking about the beauty of it. And they're missing the whole point. Like, whoa, this is a hard word. We're done. We're done here. Thanks, Thanks for everything. It's been real, but we're real done. Um, and he's like, okay, disciples, Peter, John, James, you guys want to go? You guys are welcome to go. Like, I, I don't want you, but like, are you going to leave too? Like, no, we know what you have. You know, we know that you're the word of the word. You have the eternal word of life. We don't, we don't, there's nowhere else we can go. Where else can we go to get this? Where else can we get to know absolute truth? Again, think about that. Absolute truth. How many times you're like, even now you're listening to me. I have a perspective. I'm not absolute truth. I'm not. I wish I was, but Jesus was absolute truth. He is the word that spoke life into perfect existence. Every word was perfect. Everything he did was right. 
but they wanted to surround themselves with what felt comfortable. They wanted to surround themselves. We still do. We have our friends. We have our, again, like, and then you, know, you have your social media and they surround you with things that you'll like and keep you in your vortex of your echo chamber of your nonsense. It's like, we're never hearing anything. We're never being sharpened or challenged. And so he's like, no, make sure you go to this because teachers will tickle your ears sometimes. He's not trying to be, he's not saying they're being mean and it's not something I'm trying to do. But sometimes we kind of, we, we might peace to you a little bit. He's like, no, but let the word of God convict your heart. Let it teach you, exhort you, rebuke you, and build you up and teach you. Because if you don't do this, if you don't go into the word and let it do this perfect work, you're going to start going to other things that'll make you feel good. Tickle your ears. <coughs> echo the wrong belief. And eventually, you're not even looking at Jesus anymore. Again, I can't tell you how many people I've just been so blown away by how far they got off by a little bit of untruth. It sounded good, but it was very, when I matched it up to the word, I was like, this isn't true. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I see him way over here. I'm like, where did you go? I don't even know you anymore. What are you walking into? You're not even talking about Jesus anymore. You're not even walking anymore. What happened to your faith? What happened to your love for Jesus? It's because they stopped listening to the word of God and they started listening to the things that tickled their ears. But again, in Colossians 3, 16, it says, let the word, word of God, dwell in you richly. Sorry, this is actually, I'm skipping. I didn't put it in there. I'm just going to read it again. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. It's like, where am I at? Let it dwell in you richly and teach one another. Again, this is the context of what we're talking about. Because, like, you know, we can, I want to make sure when we're doing this, we're doing this in love. We're teaching, we're admonishing, we're, and we're giving it, we're singing it, we're declaring it, and we have thankful hearts. That doesn't sound harsh or angry anymore when you teach the word. Again, we're used to some angry teachings, but, I mean, we've all heard them. In Colossians 1, 9 through 28, I know that's a lot, but be ready. And so from the day we heard, this is, this is Paul sharing. He's like, he's praying for spiritual wisdom, for maturity in Christ. Again, this is what we're looking for. Because who wants an immature teenager all the days of their life? Or a two-year-old. Hold on. Who wants a two-year-old who's not potty trained forever, for years? Who wants that? No. You'd be fine with it for about a year, and you'd be like, okay, it's time to move on, right? It's time to move on. It's time to move on. Let's do it. <laughs> You're like, okay, this has got to go. We got to mature. Like, I have grace, but God is so long-suffering. He's like, I want you to grow and mature. So this is Paul's desire. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Not being filled up, but filled filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom, not some, all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is, again, this is, this is just two verses, but man, it's showing his desire. He's praying for this. He's like, I want you to be filled with the knowledge. I want you to be filled with all spiritual wisdom. I want you to be filled with understanding. I don't want you to be unconfident. I want you to walk in that manner of worthy of the Lord. I want you fully pleasing to him. I want you to walk in that in confidence. I want you to bear fruit and every good work. 
Not some good works, not most of your good works. Well, like, oh, I hope there was some fruit from that. I don't know. Like, we don't know. He's like, no, I want you to have that kind of lifestyle. I want you to grow in that maturity, that you're walking with confidence in everything you do, that they're bare fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. Moving on, verse 11, being strengthened with all joy, or with all power, sorry, all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. That's a big verse. May you be strengthened with all power, with all endurance, and patience with joy. Not patience with gritting your teeth. (laughs) With joy. And then giving thanks. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Again, like this is, so he's going to be talking, he's like, here's my desire. I want you to grow in all the fullness of this. Why? Because you have been saved. You've already been saved. You have been bought. You have access. You have been delivered from the domain of of darkness and transferred us. He transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We're created for him. We're created for a purpose. We are created and we are bought and we have access. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. We'll talk about that here in a second. All things are held together through him. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. He's reconciling all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Man, we talked about this morning. He made peace By the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, again, you who were immature, broken, wrath, not even a part of this family, you who were once that have now been reconciled to his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith. This is a long passage, I know. We're hanging on. Stable. We're stable. We're steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. This is what he's calling us again back to. He's like, I want you to continue in the faith. I want you to be stable and steadfast. This is what I saved you for. This is what I purposed for you. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which, you have been proclaim- which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and for which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He's like, why is he rejoicing in his suffering? Because it was worth it. He's like, I'm sharing this with you because it's worth it. It was worth it to suffer all this so that way you can understand this. It's worth it. I am for my, in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. I'm doing this for you because I love you. This doesn't sound very rewarding sometimes, but this is the reward of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make known 
to make the word of God fully known. This is my desire so that we, again, you're like, okay, where does maturity come in here, okay? It's still there. It's, you, you look at, we're being strengthened. He's, he's praying into this. He's like, I'm willing to teach you this. I'm willing to show you the full word of God. I want it to be fully known to you and understood to you. The mystery hidden for ages. Again, this is some of the, the, the people have been reading this word. This has been hidden for ages and generations, but now it's been revealed to you. It's been revealed to you. People who are wondering, what did Isaiah mean? What did this mean? What did that mean? They're finally seeing the fulfillment and the revelation of that. It's been revealed through the power of the Holy Spirit. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is in Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I'm giving everything to see you become exactly who God desired you to be. I'm wrestling with it. I'm praying for it. I'm sharing this with you because it's my desire and I'm bent towards him. I'm praying to the throne. I mean, I'm bent and I've never said, I haven't stopped praying for you. I haven't stopped praying for you. It's my desire, praying for this, that you would walk in the fullness but it comes with the word of the Lord. Again, like we think about, I was just thinking about the word of the Lord isn't just specifically just the Bible, but isn't just specifically Holy Spirit only. It is Holy Spirit and the word. So we get to understand his nature. We get to understand his character. And so when Paul is speaking, he's like, this is what I'm revealing. This word, these, you know, these prophets, everything that's been spoken to you, I'm revealing to you. And the Holy Spirit is waking something in you. He's showing something new. He's revealing these, these hidden, hidden mysteries. He's like, I'm doing this so that you can become mature in Christ. So I can, you can be, um, we, him we proclaim, we talk about Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now in verse 17, he says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So his word, it matures us. As we hear his word, as we ask Holy Spirit, he matures us, he reveals things in us. It says in Hebrews, he, he reveals things, he points at things, and he is reminding us. And in point two, his word sustains us. Just like in 17, it says, in him, he is before all things and in things, all things hold together. It talks about, I'm going to read through it a little shortly because I'm just realizing time. Um, let's see here. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 6. The whole commandment that I command, this is Moses, that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Well, let's see, I don't have that on there. Okay. I was like, what's that verse? Okay. This must have been a verse I removed. Okay. All right. Let's see if I can find it. Maybe it's the next one. Oh, there we go. That's why. Okay, there we go. Now we're on the track. Just trying to throw you guys off. All right. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. 
He's not mean. He's not cruel, but he's testing us. He's seeing what is in our heart. That matters more to him than anything else. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you may not, you did not know, nor did your fathers know, and that he might, they didn't get it. You didn't get it, and they didn't get it either. That's what he's saying. He's like, you guys didn't get it, but he did it so that he might make known to you that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every word is life. Every, and again, imagine that. I, again, I, I go through this, and I read through this every time, and I get more and more astounded. Because when I think that every word is breath, if you put it in the context of oxygen, every word of God is oxygen, is breath, it is life. Your clothes did not wear out on you. Your feet did not swell this 40 years. Know then that in your heart, as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you should keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in the ways and by fearing him. Again, I, I, I read that fearing God. We, we think about God being, and I sometimes I always talk about, like, do I need to be afraid of him? What does fear of the Lord mean? Is it being afraid? Like, but we call it to be fear of the Lord. And it says in Psalms 11, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm like, okay, fear of the Lord is important here. Hang on to his words and fear him. I'm like, how does that apply to the word of the Lord, right? But who are we without breath? What are we without breath? We're dead. We're dead. Thank you. Okay. I was like, hold on. <laughs> You're dead. It's not be afraid of the Lord, but it's a reverent holy fear that brings us to the reality that he is our breath. And without oxygen, we would die. Again, like you think about just for a second, like you enclosed spaces, you start imagining the oxygen leaving the room. I'm just like, hopefully I'm giving you a little bit of anxiety, that feeling just for a second, just to think, <sighs> And you like, or like, have you ever watched those movies where they're going down, they've got the tanks and they're down in the water and it gets claustrophobic? It's awful. It's so awful. Every time I watch that, I just, I find myself holding my breath. I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> I know it's a movie. Um, but it's that reality. It's that, it's that all. How valuable your oxygen is to you when you don't think about it for just a second. Because I think we treat the word like it's nice. I think we treat the word, the Holy Spirit, like it's, oh, it's convenient. It's, it's soft. It's kind. It's wonderful. It's like the holiness, the fear that, whoa, if I didn't have it, I'd be dead. If I wasn't sustained by you, I'd be gone. If I didn't have you constantly, but again, like this is not God who's like, I'm going to pull your oxygen away from you. He is not that kind of father. He is the God that keeps giving as you need it. I sustain you. I give it to you. Receive it with fear and with humility. Receive my word. We're sustained by his word. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of of his nature. I love that. The exact imprint. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Imagine that. 
He upholds the universe with the word of his power. He is so mighty. His word is powerful. Man, we are sustained by his word. We are preserved by his word. Again, like, I just, I can't imagine that. Could you imagine, like, I mean, sometimes we, t- we like, our kids couldn't survive very long without us. Like, no, they could do for a while. They could run around, you know, they, they'd start stinking, you know. They'd have some problems, you know, the diapers and all that stuff. But eventually, but to sustain them for every moment, for everything, for every thought, for every everything, for every breath, how valuable and how vulnerable that is. I don't think we feel very vulnerable in the palm of God's hand. Like, man, but he, again, he's gracious, he loves us, he's kind, he's given us his Holy Spirit, we've been sealed. But the awe, the fear, the love of the Lord, and, and to have his Holy Spirit, again, it just brings us to that place of, wow, God, you are so valuable, and I have access to you. Like, I have access to your word. I have access to your Holy Spirit. When I talk to you a little differently, when I think about your word just a little differently, if I treat it like oxygen. Man. The word of the Lord is beautiful. Psalm 19, 1 through 14. I'm just going to read this psalm. This is where we're going to end it here. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and it's circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. It's reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. He loves being, he's like, man, thank you for warning me. Thank you, Lord. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. This is important. Who can discern his errors? I can't. I could say, I think I'm wrong here, but it's so much better when Holy Spirit says, this is what's going on. This is the root. This is where it's coming from. He shows to me, he's so kind. So keep back your servant also from presumptuousness. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep me back... Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I just want to, as you read through this, there's so many things about the psalm. There's, we see the power of God's word. 
There's so much. I just, I mean, take a Bible study on that for a minute. Just look at the Lord again and ask the Lord, do I see it the same way? God, do I see your word the same way? That it's perfect. Your word, when you speak it out, it's perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It's, it makes us the wise, it makes simple the wise. Wait, hold on. The wise is simple. Why is it simple? It's a little tricky to say. It makes us who are simple wise. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Lord, thank you, because I need that. Um, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It makes us so happy because of the way he set things up. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It's pure. It's clean. It for, it's forever. It's eternal. It doesn't end. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord altogether are true. Man, of all things we need, we all things we long for, things that are true, lasting, things that are perfect. This is the things that we don't have in our lives. We have no plumb line outside of the word and the Holy Spirit. We have no plumb line. We have no way of discerning our own ways. But thank God he gives us his word. Not because he's mean. He's like, I need to show you how I've been out of shape. It's nice. It's like, I mean, you think about like chiropractor. You don't know how jacked up your back is until you like, oh, oh, okay, thanks. You showed me my condition on my back. I needed to know that so I could be brought and corrected. I need to be corrected. I need to be brought. Man, we need that. We need to be corrected. He's like, I know it because you're in pain. You're in misery. And I want the best for you. Man, when's the last time, like, Lord, your word is sweeter than honey? Oh, it's sweet. Man, like, Lord, give me what is going on. What's going on with David? What's going on in his heart? I want that. I want that heart position. I want that heart posture where like, Lord, your word is sweet to me. It's beautiful. It's perfect. And thank you, Lord, that you use it to warn us, to correct us, and teach us because you want the best for us. So let's make this our prayer. Let this become the way we talk about his word. Let, us, let the word say, God, let this become the way I see your word. Not just that one psalm, not, but all of your word, all together, perfect in context. Again, we're looking at the contextual word. We're not just isolating a little verse like, oh, I love this because in the pain and suffering, he is still faithful. Because like, we like to pick our favorite verses out of context. Like, man, he does everything. He's, he's faithful. He gives us everything we need, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. But in context, even when it's hard, even when it's painful, even when it's discouraging, he is still faithful. He is still perfect. He's still kind. He does give us what we need. Man, we need to look at it in context. But think, Lord, help us to read your word. Help us to love your word. Help, us to, help it bring us to a place of worship. Because your word provokes our hearts. Let it provoke us to worship in agreement with his heart. So that's where we're going to end here. We're just going to pray about that. If you want to join me, if you want to stand, if you want to pace, if you want to walk, I guess pacing and walking are the same thing. If you want to kneel, whatever you guys want to do, whatever you just, just puts you, you're just looking at the throne room. You're looking at your heavenly father who loves you and desires things for you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word that you, you gave us your perfect word, that you gave us your Holy Spirit. You give us everything that we need to correct us to realign our hearts.
with you. Lord, help us to see and become mature in the word. Lord, thank you that you, did, you weren't satisfied with us staying the same, that you didn't leave us where we were. You chose us. You bought us at a great price. You laid down your life for us. Thank you, Jesus. You did this so that we would have access not only to the Father, but we would access to the person we've always been meant to be. We've been called to be a new creation. We have made, we made, we're going back to the original plan. We talked about it in life group. We're going back to the original plan, the purpose that you've set up for us. So Father, we thank you that you had a purpose for us, that you were, we're going back to your original design, your hope for us. Lord, we want to, be aligned to your heart, Lord. Teach us with your word. Help us to share your word with one another. Lord, not in a mean way, not criticizing, because we could do that, Lord. We want to bring your truth in love. We want to reveal what you're doing, the testimony. God, help us to be patient like you are patient, kind like you are kind, Lord. Share the word with our friends. Share the word with, our, with one another, our siblings. And, and Lord, not, not in a way where it is harsh, but Lord, where it is building up. It's edifying. It's encouraging them. Jesus, we want to encourage one another with the word. Build one another up. Establish one another in your love. Lord, help us to hang on to your word to walk in a holy fear with thanksgiving in our hearts that you have given us your daily bread. You have given us yourself. We are sustained by your word. Without you, we have nothing. But thank you, Lord, that you are not a cruel God. You are a kind God who is generous, long-suffering, full of mercy, abundant in love. This is who you are. This is the word that you've given us. You want us. You want to build us up. So, Father, we receive your word. We thank, thank you for your word. And, Lord, transform our hearts, transforms, transform our mindset to be more like you and to grow in the fullness of what you've called us to be so that way, Lord, we can do the works that you have established and planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.